Hey, are you curious about what's inside of you? Dear life, I'm in. Dear life, I'm in. Dear life, I'm in. Say, I'm in. two we are this is number two number two yeah the first one was so fun it was like wait can, can we do another one <laughs> yeah so i know it's actually, been really great we had some really good feedback too yeah. like we launched it what on monday yeah, so we're monday. recording another yeah mm-hmm Yep. So episode two. And episode so we, two. we really like, you know, you look at the, the big picture of, of really what it is that we do. And we know that it is, it's rad if we, <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. We're so rad for sitting here and just talking about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and really it's, 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 you know, when we were even just talking about these ideas of what to, what to even talk about on yeah. our podcast, because obviously we have a classroom that we, work mm -hmm. in which is a gym classroom yeah. aka gym um With a cool chalkboard yes mm. those of you that are are watching, watching you can see know, how right? awesome the see. uh the board is um but we just know the magic of movement but we also know the magic of of pulling a lot of just behavior um into I don't want to say into reality because it is still a reality in our yeah. life, but to really bring it to the forefront and say like, okay, let's address these things with, with how we manage stress and then also how we move, how much we're moving. Yeah. Um, and so we, we have a safe space where women can really look at all of those things. Yeah. And we get to use movement to sort of mimic life situations yeah. of, hey, what happens when this gets really hard? Yeah. Uh, well, I do this. And we're like, well, let's just <laughs> grab a sled and really see what happens. And really see what, yeah. and by a sled, you mean like for those, yeah, those not that like are kind of out of the gym world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a sit on and slide Ride down. down on the snow. Yeah, no, yeah. No. So a sled that like you push. push sled or you push. a sled or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so using movement to um, really help people learn mm -hmm. and help people connect um, with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's more like facilitating a response and then having something to reference when we have conversation. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like in, and I don't know about you or how you feel about this, but when, or if you are in a, a situation <laughs> oh, that was slick. Slick. That was a slick okay. adjustment. Did anybody that catch that? Probably not, because I'm so slick. I'm so slick. I'm like Wonder Woman. Oh, your Wonder Woman uh -huh. mug. Yeah. I know. That was I'm even Wonder slick Woman on how to. Today. I'm going to be really impressed. I basically cramped my ab, though. My ab right now over here is totally cramping. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, that was a weird reach around, but oh, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, um, so. So like facilitating a response with uh, even taking like a sled or taking a workout like what we had said and referencing um, a behavior that surfaces, yeah. you know, so when people when we're stressed out, we do things 
that aren't pretty. <laughs> right. So like we do things when if a conversation uh, with somebody doesn't go like planned yeah. or if it um, or if somebody doesn't do what we want them to do or, you know, we have these feelings and we have this plan like in our head of what we're going to do. But then in all reality, when we actually have that person sit, standing in front of us, sitting in front of us and we have the conversation, um, you know, there's things that we that come out that we don't necessarily like. Yeah, um, true. But we need the stress to expose where we have those cracks, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and then we need the courage to then look at the cracks and be like, okay, now what, what, what adjustments? Yeah. What things, what That's modifications good. do we need to make, you know, to, to really like fortify our person? Yeah. And so, because we're not trying to create we're not trying to create a life that is without stress mm -hmm. because that's a very boring life and definitely outside the bounds of reality mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> do you feel like that's what people assume assume of what As like assume that like a life without stress would be so much easier yeah but we know but we know that it's not it's not the stress because stress actually creates growth yeah, so maybe like, can you like just talk about stress a little bit? Like yeah. talk about talk about what because we assume that, um, or even outside of what we what we do, people that work with us, mm -hmm. or obviously we the definition is different. Yeah. But the assumption of like stress, like stress free life, stress free mm -hmm. everything. Let's like like reduce the stress, right? Yeah. There's there's a difference there. Can you like <laughs> elaborate on that? I don't like, know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think the idea that we have in our head is when all of our ducks are in a row, when all of the to do list is done, when um, everyone is behaving correctly, and all things are right in the world. Um, government, presidents, teachers, employees, uh, co-workers, uh, partners, kids, friends are all doing what we want them to do, then life is just going to be a lot easier, mm -hmm. which that, sometimes just, it is. <laughs> it would be, but we would never grow because literally we would be living in a place where, but, but what I think everyone else should do is going to be completely different from what you think mm -hmm. that everyone should do. Yeah. Oh, my, I'm, I'm drooping. I'm <laughs> sagging here. I got a saggy You're microphone. looking a little droopy there, I'm Crenshaw. A droopy. <laughs> my eyes a little droopy over here. A little mic adjustment here. Um, but I think that the, to say that once everything is right, then everything will be right. Mm -hmm. But, that actually isn't the case at all. Mm -hmm. um, if that was true, I feel like there would probably be even, well, I mean, I think a lot of us live from that place of when everybody does what they want, what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. When I yell enough at everybody, scream enough from my keyboard, post enough things on Facebook that everything's gonna change because it's gonna go the way I want it to go. But like I was saying, you think things are gonna be different mm -hmm. and that guy over there thinks that it should be one way. And this person over here thinks it should be one way. And that would make their lives less stressful. But there's still differences, which is mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about life is that we all are different. Yeah. Yet we want everybody to do things just like us mm -hmm. because it would just be easier for us instead of us learning to manage our stress a little bit better. 
What if I could manage conflict a little bit better? Mm -hmm. What if I could manage my anger a little bit better instead of just wishing that there was no conflict, no stress, no anger, and then everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not just anger is not the only thing, but anger management is a, you know, is a word. And so thinking that is, will make everything better, but it's, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what did you say that it's kind of, it's a weird contradiction because it's like, we want everyone to be like us, <laughs> but yet I we, want everybody to be like me. but I, I like mean, I mean like we want people to do things the way that we do things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we want people to respond the way that we would respond. We want people to, want people to stand up. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, in, in concept, uh, yeah, it would be really I, I, nice if people would would do do things the way that we do things. And then we don't we don't then we don't have to do anything Then yeah. we don't have to stand up for something Then we don't have to have the conversation yeah. or um because then without the conversation, we actually don't even get the exposure of our own behavior or our own thought pattern or yeah. or even the exposure of like being with other people mm. and and the benefit of that. But being with people is hard. Yeah. And like the contradiction is funny because it's like I want you to do things the way that I want them to be done. Yeah. And yet I want to be like other people like we look at our bodies and we want other people's bodies <laughs> we want other people's lives we want other people's and when I say we I mean like as a culture it it really is like I want I want their job I want their spouse I want their children I want um and it might not look like all of those things but it looks like I want their discipline in their body because they've got yeah. a great body um I you know legs right so, there, so there's things <laughs> I, need there's to, things. I need more <laughs> yeah, there's things that we want of other people, like, but yet we want to be like other people, but yet we want other people to be like us. And so there's this part where it's like, if we were to really be able to even have conversations in disagreement and to, to disagree, to agree to disagree and yet still be able to be in the same space together yeah. it, rather than it being, uh, you know, you're over there and I'm over here. Mm -hmm. And no doubt there's like, there's behaviors that separate us from like not wanting to be around <laughs> yes. people. Which is totally valid. Yeah, which is totally valid. But when we talk about beliefs and even this, you know, with you even referencing or even talking about stress and, and what that looks like, you know, it can be extremely stressful being around people and not knowing yourself well enough to step into a space where I can have a hard conversation with you and have my belief and what I believe in be strong enough to where I don't have to offend you in order to, or I don't have to win the argument in order to validate what it is that I believe in or where my heart is, yeah. right? And I, I'm, I, I've always, for a really long time, realized how important it is for us to uh, this you know term that we throw around the best version of yourself or like be yourself or um you know what is it to be authentic to you and you know all these words that we throw around mm -hmm. um, the bumper stickers identity yeah all those <laughs> things but like really who who am i at the deepest part of my core yeah um what are my desires? What are my needs? Um, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. But when we don't take the time to um, 
become aware of those things, to uh, do things that challenge us to question those things. Um, if we don't allow ourselves to answer the really hard questions that we do have, we live, like you were saying, in this place of trying to be something that we're not. Mm -hmm. Looking around as to all the things that we want to be or all the things that we want mm -hmm. or all the ways that we want to look um, that aren't necessarily true to even our own DNA. Yeah. Um, my legs aren't going to be as long as yours, <laughs> right? They're just not. I got 28 inch inseam and it's just the I don't reality. even know what mine are. They're just long. <laughs> They're just long, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and so if I, if I wake up every day, you know, and I, I give this example a lot, if I wake up every day and I want my legs to look like yours, it's just not going to happen. You're going to be disappointed every day. Right. Yeah. And so how much, how, I, it would be so interesting, or maybe the studies out there, I have no idea, who knows, but what... Um, wanting what somebody else has, how much stress that actually creates physiologically in the body. Mm -hmm. Like how much extra cortisol and adrenaline is pumping through my veins mm -hmm. and whatever hormones are involved in disappointment and discouragement are constantly coursing through my veins because I'm unwilling to look at the parts of me to accept the parts of me to say like, hey, wow, I need to grow in this area. Mm -hmm. But the reality is my legs are not going to get any longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and being That's able to true. to say like, OK, this is this is the way that my brain works. Um, these are the areas that I really want to grow. Um, and so I'm willing to do that. But how much extra stress and um, wear and tear on our physical bodies and really starting to ask the question of if I do not choose to be true to myself and true to myself is not like you do you boo do whatever makes you happy <laughs> in that sort of a way right like what? do whatever you want what are you talking about yeah, that like, is I'm like a, that's what that's <laughs> what, that's what the world is telling me right now <laughs> I get to do, do whatever me. makes do whatever is good for me well yeah. you know what good for me is not Oreo cookies and Netflix all day, even <laughs> though that's really what I would like to do. It's getting my butt in the gym and doing something that I don't really want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's getting on the treadmill this morning. It's cold outside. I don't, I don't want to. And I'm like looking at the clock and it's 20 minutes in and I feel like 40 would probably be great, but I don't really want to. Yeah. And so that mentality of, of basically it should really be like, do whatever makes you stay in your comfort zone and not grow is mm -hmm. really what we should say. Right. Mm -hmm. But really what you do, you boo is a yeah. little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, It's way better. <laughs> Let's make a bumper sticker. of like, you do, you we, boo. Yeah. With an eye do roll whatever emoji. makes you feel happy to stay in your own comfort zone, girl. <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I really wonder, uh. And I think I might need to start, I need to, might look and see if anybody's like done a study on this or if anybody wants to help us research this, um, cause we're personal trainers, um, who would love to be researchers. Yeah. <laughs> um, like when Brene Brown talks and she's like, as a researcher, and I'm like, this is what I think. And I'm not a researcher, <laughs> but she just sounds so smart. She's so great. I wonder if she'd she? ever come on our podcast. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. I would love that. Because she seems like so cool. Yeah. Like she's smart, but yet she's also cool. Totally cool. You yeah. know? 
anyways, I digress. Um, we love you, Brene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really what's, what is happening to our bodies? Are we actually, I don't, I don't even want to ask the question of, are we, I pretty much think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, to how much of my life am I shortening? How much longevity could I have to my life if I just started to really be the best version of myself, Mm -hmm. which does not mean alleviating everything that is not stressful, everything Mm -hmm. that is challenging, everything that takes me out of my comfort zone because, well, that just kind of makes me uncomfortable. Totally. Right. And then just staying in this place of mediocrity and just like, it's fine. Could be worse. Yeah. But really what is that doing to our health? What is comparison? What is looking around mm-hmm. doing to, to our physical bodies, to our minds? Mm-hmm. How is that affecting us? How will that affect me if every day I only wish that my legs were really long and my eyes were blue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But and, what, and it's, it, there, there are so many things that we, um, that we see in other people that we admire. Yes. And it is like there's there's that relationship with admiration like okay, do, am I admiring this or am I and is there a jealousy that's or am I envious, yeah. you know, with these things that and some of the things are things that people can't even help. Yeah. You know, like the color of their eyes. Like the, I mean, obviously now we have things that you can change the color of your eyes. Yeah. You can I've actually thought about that before. Yeah. Really? Yes crazy mm-hmm. like way back in the day when there was all the things that i wish that i could change about myself your the color of your eyes color of my that eyes. would be so weird mm-hmm. color of my eyes uh the sound of my laugh really yeah but see guess what if i don't like the sound of my own laugh you think i'm gonna laugh very often that's very true that's very true right and we just we assume even as you know, and this is going to lead into really like what we really want to talk about today. Oh yeah, um, we're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get there. <laughs> but this is all this is all really good. Um, you know, it's it is looking at the things that even as because you know, people see us, we're personal trainers, and we have seasons where we're like extremely fit. And that is not one of those seasons right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> is not, not one of one those, of those seasons. Fit seasons no but we do we have we're we're athletes and so um there's this assumption that things are easy for us all the time that our and neither of us have children and so we don't have like the mom bod that the moms <laughs> talk about where it's like i've had five babies and yeah. or i've had two babies yeah. and i just haven't been able to get rid of this or yeah. things obviously change um with the body over time with age but then also just with life in general and yeah. the amount of stress obviously that we that we hold and but as young girls you know i remember as a young girl like i wanted to change my nose mm-hmm. like my nose is not small by any means and it is it is pretty much the same size now, just like my my height. Like I I haven't really like grown a whole lot yeah. or didn't grow a whole lot when I was when I was like twelve years old. My nose was the same size, and I was about the height that I am now. Yeah. I was like five seven. You'd look so weird if you didn't have that nose. I know. So weird. But when I was a young girl, all I wanted to do was change it. I'm I thought, really glad that you didn't. I just thought. I mean, I remember even sitting at my desk. And 
I would have my hand, I would like let my head rest on my hand in a way that would cover my profile or like camouflage my profile because my schnoz is that of my <laughs> grandma and my dad. You know, it's like those. And it never stops growing over your life. I know. I, I've <laughs> thought of that too. And I'm like, great. That's great. I've got really small ears and a very large nose. And so it's. Yeah, but you would not be Chantel Dayton without no, that nose. It'd no. be so weird. I actually, I had a friend of mine um, in, uh, I don't remember how old I was. I think I was like 16 and I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a stunt double. And, you know, my instructor, Chip Wright, um, at the karate school that, that I worked at and somebody who I looked up to, he was a stunt double for Chuck Norris. Yeah. Um, and so you know Chuck Norris. I Yes, I do. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, we don't have coffee or talk on the phone or text or anything, but when I see him, he knows who I am. He knows and I who know, you yeah. are, and he would give you a hug. Yeah, totally. Oh, boy. I you would just give got him. mad props, and we might have just gotten some more followers. <laughs> <laughs> so my instructor was... Uh, his stunt double through Walker, Texas Ranger and through some of the other movies that he's done. And um, it, so like seeing that, I wanted to be in the film industry of some sort. And I loved drama. I loved like a acting. Like Chuck Norris. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be an actress. Yeah. And so, um, and so this was something that I, I thought, well, I can't be an actress if my nose is like, like it is and and so these were things that I would think about you yeah. know and being a girl an athlete like my chest was also really small and I was like well I don't have boobs um, and I have a big nose so if I get my nose fixed and I just get some fake boobs like it's gonna be great and those honestly like honestly as a 16 year old girl those were the things like just being able to drive those were the things that I thought about and even before that I even thought about changing my profile and changing like if you think about your profile it's so significant to your like identifying you as a human like when you see if you were to see just like the shadow of someone's profile that you know you're like hey that's my mom or that's my dad you know or that's my best friend or that's me and but if you change that there's so much like your shadow changes, like yeah. what you cast like on the world around you is so different. Yeah. And and it and I remember um, my friend Jeannie Newfield, I was in the locker room and we were changing into our uniforms before we went out on the floor and uh, we're training together. And um, and I don't remember how it came up, but uh, she was a woman that's that was in my life for a really long time. And I I tested every test since I was uh, 10 years old with her mm. up until I was 30 until I was promoted to my six degree black belt every single one it was me and her mm. and um, so she was really special to me and so I trusted her and we were in the locker room and I had mentioned something about my nose about wanting to get it fixed and she turned and looked at me in a sense that because you know when you say something about yourself that you want to change girls are like oh no girl like no you're beautiful just the way that you are you know and they like give you a hug or like some type of like sugar like Mm -hmm. comment just to like have it be easier to go down right and she um she looked at me and she was like Chantel you would not be you without your nose Mm. and I 
was like, I like totally let that land. And I don't mm. know what it was as a 16 year old girl mm. that like even allowed me to hear that and to have something that is on my face that I have despised like my whole life to then have her say that you would not be you without that. Yeah. I was just like, well, I'm not changing it then, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it was just like this reality, yeah. um, this wisdom from somebody that I really trusted and I loved and I knew that she loved me and I really did let it land and it changed my plan. And it's still like some days I'm like, dude, I've got a big nose, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's me. Yeah. It's, it's part of who I am. And, um, but when you embrace fully who you are, the things that you can change and then the things that you can't change and the yeah. things that you're choosing not to, like it does, it changes a lot of things, you know, and just how you present yourself to people around you, which, you know, it's really important for us, obviously, to be women, for women that are listening or watching, to be that for young girls, mm. where it is like, but if we don't have that in ourselves, we can't share that with other people. Yeah, Like it just, it becomes just the sugar. Yeah. It becomes the empty stuff. You know, where if somebody told me like, yeah, you're right. Like when you get older, you should fix that thing, <laughs> you know, and you also might want to like check out your breasts of some sort, you know, like <laughs> fix those because you're, you know, see what yeah. I, yeah. So it's like, but I think like having that voice is important to yeah. really speak honesty into to young girls. And yeah. yeah. So with that being said, so there's like, um, so like you and me, we, we go back obviously in like not a really long period of time. Like we've been friends for like five years. Mm -hmm. Right. And which is just insane to me. Yeah. Um, so, so crazy. So crazy. <laughs> and so when I first met you, you were a trainer at, uh, at a CrossFit gym mm -hmm. and I was doing some classes and, um, you were a coach, my coach on occasion and there were certain things that you would talk about and one of these things where you would always say you would always talk about excellence mm. and you would say um you would say excellence and I would hear perfection mm. and so I was like oh yeah I know I know perfection like I'm a martial artist you know I, I study an art we do the same thing over and over and over again making adjustments getting better but like we're always shooting for something. We're always shooting for perfection, knowing that we will never obtain it. Mm. And so we're always, we're always growing. So I had this mentality of like, oh yeah, like it's perfection. And you would always say excellence. And I was like, okay, I remember asking you one day, like what is the difference between perfection and excellence? And, and I was like so enlightened by our conversation after that. Um, can you like kind of, can you just well, share that happen around you were d doing a deadlift? Uh, yeah, it was like my relationship with failure. I think like, okay, I failed during a deadlift and you had, um, no, you lifted the weight. I, yes. I lifted the <laughs> weight. Yeah. I lifted it, completed it. It didn't fail. And so I didn't know actually like, I don't want to say like how much that I, that I had, but I lifted an amount that was uh, under control mm. and and that was good for me. And so it was a max single rep deadlift mm -hmm. and and then it 
I told you how much I did and you were like, okay, uh, excellent. That's what you completed. What did you fail at? And I was like, well, I didn't fail. And you were like, well, let's put some more weight on the bar. And so we put more weight on the bar and then I lifted that. And then we put some more weight on the bar and then I attempted that and then failed at that. And so it really is that space between what I'm comfortable with and what I actually am capable of that is a little scary. But it, during that you were sharing, I don't want to say that you were sharing like specifically during that class, but it was a conversation later on. But yeah, elaborate on uh, perfection and excellence with us. Yeah, so uh, I met with a client. Uh, so I, as I said in the first podcast, I have been a personal trainer since I was 22. I've been an athlete most of my life. Uh, and so to know working with people and seeing people struggle um, and seeing them have victory and and seeing the gym as a place to give people an opportunity to safely fail, um, but to also be extremely victorious um, is, is really the place that I have um, found that this is my, this is my life dream. Like this is, these are the places that I want to be, um, because I think that we can help people in such profound ways, um, that other people can't because we see people so regularly, um, and we stay in contact with them so regularly. Um, and it's just, it's a very powerful, um, place to be in people's lives. And so, uh, after I, I took a sabbatical uh, when I was 30 and I came back and I wanted to do things a little bit differently because I, I had always known that I wanted to help people, but I knew that I needed to have some time to, to dig a little bit more, to ask more questions, um, not in the middle of a workout. And so I started just doing things a little bit differently with clients that I was meeting. I was no longer teaching uh, any group classes or anything like that. So I was just doing just personal training. And I had this woman sit down with me and we started chatting and she wanted to lose some weight. And uh, we began to talk. I just, I asked her why she wanted to do that. Um, I asked her, we had, we're back in an office. So I asked her some like harder questions about like, what do you want? What are your desires? Um, you know, harder questions where people just either sort of like look at you like eyes glazed over. They have the answer, they know exactly what it is or it just brings them to tears because they're not actually sure what they want mm -hmm. or why they want what they think that they want. And so she began talking and uh, it, there was this moment where she had shared, you know, when I get off work and I feel really stressed or if I'm feeling really sad, I um, love to go to Wendy's. I get a Frosty and some French fries and I eat it in the car by myself. And uh, she immediately felt so much shame. Uh, she was crying. But it was the moment where she realized why she was doing what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Like where when we're not aware, we are just doing things and we have no idea why we're doing them mm -hmm. or we don't even know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So my comparison and looking around is so dangerous because all, all our eyes are all out here. And so we have no, no clue as to what's going on in mm -hmm. here. It's kind of like an autopilot, right? Exactly. Like just like a feeling and then, yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no thinking. That's why awareness is extremely confronting because mm -hmm. you then, you don't have you to see it you see it you can yeah. look away mm -hmm. you can make excuses mm -hmm. uh, you can blame other people 
or you can look at it and say, I, I, this needs to change. Mm -hmm. And so for her, and, and so as she's talking, I start explaining to her and I, I draw, I basically draw this circle that perfection's at the top. Um, something else is over on the side. I don't remember what it used to be then. Um, down at the bottom was um, shame and humiliation. And then over, over here was basically our response to, to shame or our response, like our physical um, response to what happens when things aren't going according to plan or I do something that I didn't want to do, but I did it anyways. And what is the, the overflow? Or if mm -hmm. life doesn't go according to plan. If somebody dies before we think that they're supposed to and you know, mm -hmm. or you lose your job or your marriage ends or your child is not going to college, they're a drug addict or mm -hmm. um, you're supposed to go to the gym every single day this week and it doesn't happen. What What's the narrative that begins and then what is the behavior that, that stems yeah. from this? So like the behavior in this case for this was, lady was? Yes, so it was, my guess is a hard day, so who knows what happened at work, um, but it was sadness and it was also a lot of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we talk about loneliness enough um, because I think that a lot of people don't talk about loneliness because it feels awful to talk mm -hmm. about. Um, and, but the, the, the response of the body to loneliness uh, physiologically is very destructive. Mm -hmm. um, and people find them sick a lot more often, um, like more often it's, they've seen like in the lungs and colds like actually and bronchitis, sick. Yeah. like actually yeah. physically sick. Yeah. So colds that just hang on for a long time. And so I, I look at seasons of my life where I was so sick in that way constantly. And I'm, I, I think back and I could definitely say like, wow, I was, mm -hmm. I was really lonely in those seasons. Yeah. Um, but the more and more that I've been real, allowed myself to be seen and known by other people and have a great group of people around me, I find myself to be sick a lot less. Mm. I'm also doing a lot of other things to manage my stress and things like that, but mm -hmm. I'm digressing right now. We, this is not the topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but this, this, this gal, you were even saying yeah. like, so you just, you just kind of painted the picture for yeah. us, like, uh, but you're almost like working backwards with her a little bit, right? Yeah. So you you ask her these things, but then she tells you that she uh, eats frosty a frosty and fries. and fries in her car alone. Mm -hmm. And so you see that. So that's a behavior yeah. that is that's happening, and that behavior yeah. is is helping her Cope helping with her. Pain. Yes, it's coping. Which there's a, there is a place for coping, totally. right? Yeah, it was more of like a pain patch. It mm -hmm. was more of. Um, whatever she could do to feel safe and under control again, yeah. to not feel what she was feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I just started to, I just kind of unpacked this idea and then I would talk to somebody else and then I would draw this picture and then they would be crying and they would, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing. And so I started like looking around on the internet, like, is this a graph that I've seen before? Is this a thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not complicated. Um, and so I just started teaching it more and more and helping people see like what they were doing mm -hmm. um, and then and then realizing why. Mm -hmm. And then when we realize what we're doing and why we're doing it, we become more aware of it and then we can stop ourselves and be like, oh, mm -hmm. right? So for me, as I grew, I realized I bought shoes when I didn't feel loved. Like when they felt like there was a void of like love in mm -hmm. my heart, I would buy shoes. Mm -hmm for a very specific reason for maybe another podcast, but, but it was something that I did. And so, and I became very aware of this probably 10 years ago. And, um, and in doing that, I now am so aware 
of if I want to go buy shoes, I check my heart first. Mm -hmm. Like, am I trying to fill a void or do my shoes just stink? Or yeah. are those really cute and <laughs> I actually just want to buy them? Yeah. But becoming so aware. And what happened with her, I saw that lady maybe twice a week for maybe two months because she ended up moving away. And I am not kidding you, that woman, maybe three months, like we didn't train hard. I didn't even put her on a diet. That woman lost like 60 pounds like that because there was a place in her that voodoo. she was realizing that she it's was voodoo. Yeah, that what it was is. voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was awareness. And so yeah. whatever happened with her, she started paying attention to what she was eating. She probably was like, oh my gosh, I need to go make more friends. I can't, I can't even remember all the things that transpired, but it wasn't because I killed her every day in the gym and because she was working out with me seven days a week and I cut her calories by a thousand and that happened. It just, something lit up in her where she realized what she was doing and why she was doing it. And then she was able to say, oh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so, it's so it's it's definitely the 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 idea the concept of this thing that we call the cycle um, now in camp 17 has very very much evolved and um i feel like become way more powerful and um you know just being able to give like really simple examples the more and more you watch people mm -hmm. you know um you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a whole 30 and then you like accidentally eat sugar. And so then you feel like I'm a total failure. And so then you go eat the whole pantry. And then once you hate yourself enough, then you move back mm -hmm. up to the top of the circle and you're going to be, you're going to be perfect again. Mm -hmm. And you're going to meet all your expectations. And that's just not reality. Mm -hmm. And so when we can look at this and say, okay, so perfection is actually a false sense of reality that I myself have created. So my idea of perfection is completely subjective because mm -hmm. your idea of perfection is gonna be completely different. Mm -hmm. But perfection is, it's not even false and it's completely driven by fear and comparison. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, like you said, when we started talking about this, even for our business, like how do we put this in here? You, you said, gosh, comparison or uh, perfection is literally like trying to hit the bullseye on a target that doesn't even exist. There's not even a target there. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly shooting blanks at a target that doesn't exist. So mm -hmm. then you're completely discouraged, disappointed, and utterly lost because you're trying to hit a mark that's mm -hmm. it's not even there. Because then you you do, you live, you live this, this life of, because there is the occasional, the occasional moment when all of the things that I want and the things that I think should be mm -hmm. actually happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Like there are moments where it's like, there might oh. be, you know, there might be the, the sun, it might not be the time that I thought it was going to be, but it, um, you know, whether it conditions be- Conditions are right. The, when the conditions are, are perfect. <laughs> Right. And so it's like, it's, it's, I ate, I went to the gym and I, I woke up, I felt good. I went to the gym. I came home, I ate whatever. I went to work. The, all the kids were ready to go to school. When I got home from the gym, um, they didn't complain or fight with each other. Right. And so you have like, okay, like that's all good. And deep down, you're thinking like, okay, this is all too good to be true. What's going on? So even when things go 
how we want them to go in this like perfect measure we in like in the back of our mind we're thinking like something is wrong because everything's <laughs> going so well right or then we want to sabotage it with this mm -hmm. thought of of okay everything is like it can't get any better mm -hmm. and so then all the days that you live after that because even like let's say the day's completed like your your kids go to school they're all little angels they're all they they have great reports from their teachers that day you go to work everything is awesome you come home your husband's brought you flowers and he made dinner and then right so it's like this occasion where then the next day you wake up and one of your kids is puking and you know you uh run into the gym but then all of the machines that you wanted to use that morning are all taken and then you hit every light on the way home you get so all of these things start to happen where then you're like of course like that day was like the perfect day mm -hmm. and all the other days are wasted but which ultimately is what true. happened was that just nothing seemed to go wrong mm -hmm. which is another danger of this idea of perfection mm -hmm. is that the said perfectionist is living just to not do anything wrong. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal is I'm just not going to do anything wrong. Uh -huh. So everything just needs to be right or I need to be right. Mm -hmm. And so then said perfectionist just lives trying to constantly be right. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, who actually wants to hang out with someone who's just always trying to be right? <laughs> Well, I am always right, so. <laughs> you're How always you right and you're always funny. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, but so that's, it's, it's true. It's, it is, it's, it's a sad reality, though. I think that we have seen throughout the camps that we've had, the classes that we've had, the seminars that we've taught, you know, the, the hundreds of women that have come through our doors and have been through the program where it is it's as much as we sit back on the outside of this and we're like oh man like that's totally not me <laughs> like that is not me like those of you that are listening and are are like that's that's not me that's so and so that's mm. like sarah that's mm. you know rachel that's mm. you know and we that's that's totally my mom mm. and that's my sister like around the holidays you know like everything has to be perfect and you know and i think that there's a difference between wanting to do things well and for things to be done yes. well yes. and for uh you know the the ups and downs of life that do happen they do happen yeah. and we do make mistakes and other people make mistakes but and how else are you going to learn yeah and i don't learn when everything goes right <laughs> yeah it's so true I don't learn a thing. Yeah, and it's not even, we're not even present in that moment when everything does go right. We're thinking about like, we're thinking about tomorrow, we're thinking about the next moment, we're thinking about when it when it's all just gonna like disappear or go away. But what if or, we could stop in moments and be like, wow, this is just a really, this is a really great moment right now. Mm -hmm. And just be able to be in it. Be in the moment or even be in the moments that suck. Oh, totally. Right? Like, we don't always just have to be in the good. Yeah. Like, we but can. We want to. We do. Because they're good. Yeah. But then we're bummed all the time because everything's not going right. Yeah. 
This isn't this isn't the way that I thought it should go. This isn't the way that it should be going. Mm-hmm. This isn't the way that it needs to be going. But it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can look at so you look at the the cycle that you have developed, and then since then, from like that client, that first. You know, you had mentioned that you drew it on a napkin. Yeah, it was totally on a napkin. Yeah. The amount of times that I have written that down on a napkin and given it to someone else, I th- just thought, gosh, I probably need to have like a business card that has this written on it so I could actually give it to people that was not on a napkin. Yeah. Or people would be like, I still have the napkin hanging on my bathroom That's mirror. so crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Because you look at it and it, it, you look at that cycle and you look at those things like in, in, behavior for every person not just women and then not just adult women but even young girls or teenagers or kids you know they all have their cycles too where it's like if somebody doesn't doesn't get what they want or what they expect Mm -hmm. um and and men as well and you know they look at it and they say like okay like if I can't be perfect or if this doesn't go as planned or my expectation, like we can take it as from every all day, every day, like throughout work, throughout relationship and conversation. But then we can also look at it and say like, you know, one of the biggest things is even like marriage, like the expectation of marriage. Mm-hmm. When I enter into a into a relationship, a union with another person, and this is how it's gonna go. <laughs> when you say that, it is like, it's the first step of like, okay, we are going in the wrong direction. This is exactly, this is, this is how it's supposed to go. And it's going to go all the ways that it didn't go for my parents or my grandparents or, but all in all, not acknowledging that you are now doing life with another human and they have all of their stuff too. So we have this expectation that is set that we do have that quote honeymoon phase in marriage that is that is great or just not even marriage but just life in general friendships the gym we yeah. have honeymoon phases with the gym yeah like my parents are going to be alive until they're in their their 80s 90s or even 100 years old and i'm going to bury you know my parents or you know you we we're not supposed to bury our children you know like when we look at that it's it is looking at like people have kids and the kids die the parents get sick and they die and the expectation like what happens when that comes into play where that something else happened Mm. I got married and I did not get married to get divorced but it happened how did that happen well, I'm not supposed to be 39. I'm supposed to be 39 married with a gaggle of kids. Totally. But I'm 39 and I'm not married and don't have a gaggle of kids. Yeah. So then what do I do from there? Mm-hmm. How do I live my life? How do we live our lives when the things that we think were supposed to happen or the shoulds, mm-hmm. like culturally, I should mm-hmm. have already been married. But had I married, any of the men before that, I would probably fully be divorced. <laughs> yeah. That's why we shouldn't shoot ourselves. No, quit shooting yourself. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Right? I'm just so embarrassing. <laughs> it stinks. What's that smell? But I but I think that there is 
obviously there's hope on the other side of this. This isn't just a, well, if you think that perfection is, you know, well, now what do I do about it? Right. And mm -hmm. the, the reality is that excellence, humility, empathy, and self-control and balance are what can find us breaking the cycle it's what's it's what's on the other side of a broken cycle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's what is on the other side of saying okay so um something else did happen mm -hmm. and that something else wasn't that wasn't supposed to happen mm -hmm. that shouldn't have happened mm -hmm. and but it did mm -hmm. and so what am i gonna do and so when i can see life as that was not supposed to happen. Something else did happen. And I don't allow myself to fully like turn the corners of the rest of my cycle where I move into shame or I move into blame or I move into arrogance or I move into, you know, really gross, um, false humility, what, whatever it is. If I don't move myself into those places um, and then use my physical overflows, whatever those might be, whether it's social media, sugar, mm -hmm. wine, um, drugs, a lot shopping, of distraction. Yeah. yeah. Busyness, which, which work over exercise, which takes us away from feeling it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I can say, okay, something else happened, but then I allow myself, you know, to you and I had this conversation the other day after I got done teaching and I'm reading this really great book right now. And um, we, we so, so, so value and believe in, in feeling, mm -hmm. um, feeling the, um, the entirety of what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have created a safe space, um, for people to come in here and to feel, um, the entire palette of human emotion, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be anger or sadness, um, we've given people places to grieve, um, to find joy, to, um, to be excited, to fail, to succeed, um, to scream, to yell, to cry, to, to belly laugh, to mm -hmm. guttural cry, to scream their heads off, to, you know, take a baseball bat to a bag and to allow themselves to fully, um, to fully feel and mm -hmm. to acknowledge the full expression of what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we allow ourselves to be human, which, you know, I feel like should sometimes be one of our taglines is like, we're just helping people be more human, mm -hmm. which can be messy, mm -hmm. but so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. And even like what you talk about when you teach the cycle and you, are looking at like mistakes and you say like mistakes and it is, it's really hard. Cause sometimes it's, it's like disappointments, mm -hmm. you know, by other people or other things, because there are some things that, you know, there's two sides to this coin. There are the things that in, in your life, when you are, when you're present, things in life happen to you. Mm -hmm. They have, and then there's other things where you happen to other people. And so, there's, there's responsibility and there's acknowledging the mistake and acknowledging, but if we don't actually have like a reference of like, this is really who I want to be. This is where I want to be. This is where, because if we don't have that tension between where we are now and what we want, we won't actually feel those poles anywhere. You know, like we won't feel like when we make a mistake, like you say, like even the courage to feel it yeah. and be like, dude, I made a mistake. Yeah. 
Like I made, I, I made a mistake and I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel sad. I'm going to feel disappointed. I'm going to be angry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's so, it's, it's so important, but why do you feel like people are so afraid to feel? Because we look weak. Yeah. When we feel certain emotions, we either look psycho, mm -hmm. we look weak. Um, we look like we don't have it all together. We might look out of control. Um, we might look damaged and broken. Mm -hmm. And so it's just safer to try to keep the lid on. Mm -hmm. But eventually either the lid staying on is going to deteriorate your health, um, kill you early, mm -hmm. um, or you're not gonna be able to keep the lid on. Yeah. And everyone around you is going to be the benefactor of the blown lid, <laughs> which a blown lid looks a lot different than the connection and expression of true emotion mm -hmm. because it's a lot different to express than to react. Yeah. Um, and so being able to say, okay, something else happened and to be able to feel the sadness, to feel the loss, to feel the grief, to feel the anger, to feel the frustration, to feel um, the disappointment and be able to have a place to do that. Because I don't think culturally we have a place to do that. Mm -mm. Like, okay, I feel like I need to beat the crap out of something or I need to scream. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I could go into my room and I could like beat my bed or mm -hmm. I could go to a boxing class or I could get in my car. But other than that, like it's, it's just, we culturally don't even, even trying, even, even like losing it wailing and crying at a funeral. We don't even do that. Mm -hmm. I remember going to a funeral a couple years ago and I like literally wanted to wail and you could feel everyone gulping down their tears, like mm -hmm. just gulping and knowing if I allowed myself to do this, the whole room would break open because it would get everyone, give everyone permission mm -hmm. to do that. But I didn't have enough courage to do it mm -hmm. because like, oh, what would people think of me? Yeah. But you're like, but my friend just died. Mm -hmm. And so even holding back my own my own grief has probably been detrimental to my health and to my stress management and to my anger management and to my conflict management mm -hmm. um, because we try to put the lid on and I put my I put the lid on my entire I I I like literally was unable to cry until I was probably 26 years old and then you know what the lid came off and I could not stop crying for weeks mm. it was it was very disruptive to life. Yeah. A lot more disruptive because I think that's what happens to people as well is if I, if I take the lid off now and I feel this, it's, we feel like it's never going to stop, mm -hmm. but it will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it absolutely will, but we don't, we don't necessarily know how to feel anymore mm -hmm. because we stopped, we stopped feeling. And so it feels foreign. And so then all of a sudden it just feels like we have a tight chest and it's like, well, you might actually just really need to cry. Yeah. Like when I, s now I am so aware of my own body that it literally feels like I'm getting sick. Yeah. I'm not getting sick. I just need to cry. Yeah. And so when I can look at disappointment and acknowledge disappointment, I can then move disappointment out of the way and look down into this hole where desire now lays this mm -hmm. has just been buried in a bunch of disappointments that i haven't acknowledged yeah or sadness mm -hmm. right like i want to find joy in my life okay well i have to be willing to feel anger and to feel sadness and i have to be able to to be honest with the fact that i need to grieve mm -hmm. that's so good or whatever else it is mm -hmm. yeah so like if we 
if you look at that and you say, okay, so we are a culture that I don't want to say it doesn't value feeling, but we, we are afraid. afraid. Yeah. yeah. We're afraid of feeling. And, um, I think part of that also is, uh, it's, it's almost, it's a cycle itself when, someone starts to cry or someone gets angry, we say, oh, shh, hush, hush, like, mm-hmm. don't cry, mm-hmm. don't get angry, mm-hmm. look at the positive, you know? And so there, there is a balance where mm-hmm. sometimes we do just need to look at the positive things. Yeah. But in the, in the moments where you are emoting, where you're angry or frustrated or sad, those aren't moments to like look at all these positive things to distract you from what you're feeling, right? It's process the emotion like even what you're saying, when you process the emotion, then there's there's the freedom on the other side. So much freedom on the you other know, side. Because you're no longer trying to find something to suppress what you were originally feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the second it comes in, allowing yourself to feel it, but also being, being those people that allow other yes, people to feel so it. It's so good. Yeah, because it is like, if we, because sometimes when people get angry or when they get upset or when they get mad or start to express themselves, like it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. When kids throw fits, it makes you uncomfortable. Or you look at parents and you're like, dude, control your child. But guess what? That kid is actually processing their emotion without <laughs> language. Yeah. And so then they're not going to like think about it afterwards because they actually just, and freaked out in target yeah but it makes us look like our kids out of control when we actually just have a kid that might be feeling something that yeah. they don't really know what's going on they're yeah. just feeling very frustrated yeah yeah <laughs> and we don't need you know the whole world to be privy to our you know the kids yeah, like totally. tantrum and so you just take them yeah. by their hand and, and, let all, and what i'm not saying is like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we, there's a balance here yeah okay, totally yeah. yeah totally of like being disrespectful and misbehaving yes. versus having like naughty children and then yes. having a child that's just doesn't have language for how they're feeling yeah so and so cry. take them outside and let them freak out <laughs> You know, like just let them freak out and just car and (laughs) and be there with them. Feel better later, or they'll get so tired that they'll stop crying. Exactly, be asleep. Yeah, and then the the other part of that too is like really being where it's not disciplining. So we we look at this and as adults, so we have trouble feeling. We have we have fear of expression, fear of feeling, and so now we are now looking for therapies or ways to process this emotion or allow this emotion out. And so we're trying to like revert back to like actually this relationship with feeling and and emoting that was severed when we were kids, Mm. where it was like you got upset for something happening and there wasn't a conversation or somebody sitting with you while you were like throwing a fit (laughs) And, you know, having it be safe enough for you to throw a fit. But instead, you got spanked and told, you know, stop crying or stop being afraid or rather than why are you afraid or it's okay to cry, you know. And so whether there be because ultimately like the role of a parent and obviously we are not parents, right? But we also know human behavior, Mm. uh, unlike a lot of people do. And we also know what it's like to work with women who are some of them are just big kids with money 
<laughs> right? <laughs> they throw fits. Yep. They throw fits. They, um, when they don't get their way, yeah. uh, they quit when they um, don't get their way. They, they will move away from the tension when things get hard rather than have the hard conversations. They will. And so it's, it's, we forget as adults that we don't like to tell ourselves no because yeah. we're adults. So we don't have to tell ourselves no. Totally. Yeah. I can buy whatever I want to buy. You know, in those little things, like I remember when I was a kid and I was like, man, when I grow up, I'm going to buy so many candy bars because that was like the conversation when I would go into the grocery store. My mom's like, no, you're not, you're not having a candy bar. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I just thought, and then when I get allowance, that was what I would go and I'd buy yeah. candy bars or beef jerky <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like that shredded jerky that looked like it was in like a chew can, you know, I just <laughs> yeah. loved that. Or like Big League Chew where you're yeah. chewing and it's rotting your teeth. It's just yeah. like, yeah, those things yeah. I just loved. Like, absolutely yeah. love that kind Going of stuff. Going to the store with all your, like, money in your pocket and coming mm -hmm. back with your, like, those little, remember those little, like, one cent, like, flavored Tootsie Rolls? Yeah. Oh, or the gosh. Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. Oh, look at us. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Still got me a sweet tooth. <laughs> but you look at that and it's, it's like, those were the things that I thought that I was... I was going to do when I got older. So when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to buy whatever I want to buy whenever I want to buy it. Mm -hmm. And so I had like this With fancy, head bob. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was that way of, of like, not necessarily that maturity, but the conversation, uh, you know, that, that doesn't happen or that needs to happen even around like when you are, when you're older and you do, you have money and you just, you didn't mature necessarily you got older <laughs> yeah and you got more money yeah and that's it yep. you know and then you gained more responsibility mm -hmm. and then you had children and now the cycle continues right yeah. where it is like it's but it is something that we we see and it's not a matter of like standing on the outside and being like oh but looking at it and saying like wow like what what can we do as women who have eyes to see this and who have hearts for the patients even to help like regain this sense of feeling and providing a place of safety where people can truly express and feel. And it's, yeah. it's been, it's been crazy. And like this cycle is like a staple. Yeah. It's such an eye opener for, yeah for the ladies with, with like, okay, like what, what do I have in excess yeah. behaviorally or just like, what, what do I accumulate? Like, yeah. like you said, you know, you yeah. said shoes or what is, what is a habit that I have all the time and yeah. how can, can I go back? Is there something hidden yeah. underneath this behavior that needs to be addressed so that yeah. I become more of a whole human? Yeah. Which you know? it, that takes honesty. Mm -hmm. It takes taking an honest look in the mirror um, or looking at our lives or in your closet or <laughs> in your garage um, or, you know, in your bank account of, of really starting to see what you're doing, when you're doing it and why you're doing it. And just because you realize it doesn't mean you're going to stop it. Yeah, totally. You're going to realize there's still times where I go out and buy a pair of shoes because I want to buy a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And there's times where I eat more sugar than I should because I just want to. Mm -hmm. And I want to rebel against the system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
I'm not rebelling against the sugar system, but maybe. Um, But it is being able to, you know, seeing if something is an issue, the best way to to handle that is, well, like, take it out. Mm -hmm. If you don't know if you have a problem with sugar or caffeine or social media or um, selfies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, then then when we take it out, it's one of our first challenges in one of our weeks of camp is to purge something, take mm-hmm. seven days and not do something. Mm-hmm. And not, not something that you could care less about, but something that you're maybe wondering of, do I, have, do I have a problem with this? Can I not sit in silence? So, okay, I'm gonna take seven days. Um, actually just prescribe this for a couple clients of no, no music in your car, no music in your house, just be quiet. Mm-hmm be be silent where you are mm-hmm. because we don't even like to do that because mm-hmm. it makes us uncomfortable because we don't want to be with ourselves mm-hmm. so we do whatever we can to not be aware of ourselves yeah yeah which well, is just a very dangerous place to be because then we just get numbed out and the more we get numbed out the more i'm numbed out the more numbed out i am to mm-hmm. the humanity around me and the people around me and the angrier and more frustrated I get, and then I'm just mm-hmm. yelling at everyone. And they're not getting you. No, you know they're they're not they're not getting you. And that's that's the fear is like when you are with yourself, not whether or not you're gonna like yourself, but when you're with yourself, the fear is the acknowledgement of you really don't know who you are. You know, and or which is okay, right? It like is. it's not a bad thing. It's no. a place to start. Of mm-hmm. like one of the 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 most challenging questions you can ask someone is like what are you good at and what makes you come alive what makes your heart burn what are you passionate about and it brings people to tears because so many people they don't even know Mm -hmm. yeah they have no idea yeah it's just so wild yeah so not to like bring it all the way back to the beginning but what is your definition of excellence Oh, I think it's really simple. I think it's just a moment by moment. What is, what is the best that I have right now? Mm-hmm. What is the best that you have right now? Mm-hmm. Not, not in a way of like, you gotta give me everything you have all the time. But what is best in those moments where you've had a bad day at work and you come home and your kids are so stoked to see you, but you are tired and. Mm-hmm frustrated and what is the best that you have in that moment Mm -hmm. what what is the best that you have on the day that you know you don't sleep you barely drink any water you eat a snickers bar but then you decide to go to the gym that's that day at the gym is not going to look the same as the day that had a lot of water some epic sleep and uh some good food they're two very different things but that doesn't mean that i can't be excellent on both days yeah that's good and it takes the pressure off Mm-hmm. Like it really takes the weight of having to be right. Mm-hmm. It takes the pressure off of just trying not to be wrong. Yeah. It removes a lot of shame. Um, and I really do think that it uh, just alleviates unnecessary stress. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you feel like it's also like as you're talking, um, I was just thinking like, do you feel like it's it's a really important key to even being present? You know, because yeah. if I don't think you can be present without it yeah I don't think so either because it is excellence is such an acknowledgement and a a grace for where you are right now and not in a place of like this 
contentment, like mm-hmm. trying to be comfortable, but just saying, wow, I am, I am here. I am giving, truly giving everything that I have to give. Mm-hmm. And without like a, without a measure, yeah. you know, without this, this, uh, I'm, I either am or I'm not. Yeah. It's, it's this place of, and it's not flippant because yeah. you know, through even just like holding yourself accountable to being excellent is not easy. Yeah. It's not easy in conversation. It's not easy uh, in relationship. It's not easy at work. It's not easy at the gym. Um, but it is a place of just really being being present and being aware and, and being honest. Yeah, being honest totally. Yeah. Yeah. But being being kind to yourself in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be in order in order for the cycle to be broken. Um, there has to be grace in the process. Mm-hmm. There has to be kindness in the process, mm-hmm. um, whether you're dealing with yourself or you're dealing with other people. Yeah. Because it's going to be so messy. Yeah. Like finding the other side, like breaking the cycle that is, okay, something else happened. And now I'm taking this road to excellence and humility and empathy and balance and self-control. It's, it's not going to be... For some people, when I when I describe it, I'm like, for some of you, this is a long, straight road with zero end in sight, mm-hmm. and it's hot outside, and that's <laughs> what your drive looks like. It's all yeah. flat. And then for other people, it's the coast highway that is filled with, I need some Dramamine, and I have no idea what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the journey will look different for every person and all of our cycles look different. Some people might have 25 different cycles. You might mm-hmm. have a cycle with food. You might have one with sleep. You might have one with debt. You might have one with fitness. You might have one with friends. You might have one with shopping. I mean, who knows all of these, all of the cycles that we actually do have and mm-hmm. being able to just see the ones that are looking at us, like the ones that make your belly go like, Whoa, I don't want to deal with that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, is just a really it's it's just a nice place to start of mm-hmm. like oh this is actually sitting in front of me and this is what I'm doing right now and then to be able to just peel that layer back so that then we're prepared for the next one yeah it's good it's so good yeah, yeah but just being okay with failing yeah <laughs> and it not going like you want it to go being okay with being, being human right <laughs> right it's so arrogant of us just to think that but it, I, I do believe it's a learned behavior. Yeah. But that we aren't going to make mistakes, or that, uh, or that, that other when, people that when make we mistakes. do, or that when we do, it's like surprising. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if you aren't making mistakes and you aren't failing, start doing something a little You're harder. Not trying. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you if you aren't failing, like literally, if you are not failing at anything, and not in a way that is like. Uh, you know, like there, there's a difference. There's a difference between failing at something, but then also just making sure that you do only the things that you know that you can do and yeah. complete just so that you don't fail. Yeah. Um, but like do something where you're actually not sure if you could do it or not. Yeah. And like be okay with failing. Yeah. And it's, and that's, that's important, yeah. right? It's important because for it's growth. Where we'll grow and it's where we're going to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's taking risk. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So good. Great. That was, that was an awesome conversation. That was a great conversation. Yeah. So if, uh, if you are interested in, uh, if people are interested in like finding us, where can they find us? Yeah. They can find us on Instagram at camp dot 17. Yes. You can find us on Facebook. 
uh, Camp 17. Yeah. And then you can also, uh, you can find you and me, both our personal uh, Instagram, myself, Chantel.Dayton. Yes, Lucian Crenshaw. Yes. L-U-C-I-A-N-N-E. <laughs> and Crenshaw <laughs> like the boulevard. Um, but yeah, or you can visit our website, camp-17.com. Mm-hmm. You can email us at info at camp-17.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. can ask any questions yeah. or if you have any, if you wonder about anything that we do or uh, want us to elaborate on anything that yeah. we, because we can pretty much talk about um, anything that we, that we do in camp, but then we have so many stories and so many like great things that happen in camp yeah. and questions from our ladies. But yeah. if you are, if you're out there, if you are um, a dude and are like, Hey, I want your perspective on this, or what do you feel like yeah. this? Or, you know, yeah. I, we yeah. would love to hear from also, you. Also, if you want to join us for a week, we have week intensives. That's also mm-hmm. really awesome. We have one coming in up February. in February and June, in June yeah. of this year. Uh, also, um, if you could subscribe, if you want to Give us some stars. Give us a shout out. People, that would be awesome. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Yeah.